Welcome to the Functional Nutrition Podcast. I'm your host, Erin Holt, and I'm a board-certified integrative and functional nutritionist. I live on the seacoast of New Hampshire and work with clients in my virtual practice all over the world through private consultations and online nutrition and functional medicine programs. Functional medicine nutrition is all about diving deep with people to get to the root cause of their health issues. And that's exactly what I tackle in this podcast, all things health, food, and nutrition, unpacking current research and almost a decade of clinical experience. I love to bring experts and thought leaders to the table so we can all learn together. Please keep in mind this podcast is created for educational purposes only and should never be used as a replacement for medical diagnosis or treatment. Thanks for joining me. Now let's dive in. Hello, my friends. It is a chilly one. I just had to turn off my space heater. It's very loud, so I didn't want the recording to get all mucked up. But yeah, it's a space heater time. We turned on the pellet stove this morning in my house. So we are here in fall. It's all happening. Um, I am fresh off a two-day seminar, virtual, of course, all about diabetes, blood sugar, metabolic health, and um, it was awesome. I'll definitely at some point soon disseminate that information down to all of you. But the real reason, I was like, I need another training like I need a hole in the head. (laughs) honestly, who has time for two days of training. But I made time for it because it's very relevant right now. Uh, We know that the most impactful risk factors for COVID complications are insulin resistance, uh, diabetes. It's that hyperglycemia, hyperinsulinemia picture. So high blood sugars, high insulin, insulin resistance that creates this very hyper-inflammatory state that creates all of these complications for a number of different reasons. T-cell responses go down. uh, They just can't do their job effectively. Antioxidant status goes down. Immune system dysregulates. So it it has this, um, this downstream effect, and we really need to address it from from an upstream standpoint, which means addressing our blood sugar and addressing our our metabolic health. It's so important. We're going to talk a little bit about that today. Not so much how to do that, but why taking on the personal responsibility of this stuff is, is very important right now. So anyway, the big, the big takeaways for me was, as always, a lot of it comes back to the gut. So we do our the our microbiome. I'm going to be talking more about microbiome stuff on Instagram this week. So be sure to check me out over there at The Functional Nutritionist. Um, but our microbiome is very responsible for a lot of our metabolic health. And what we do is the good bacteria in our guts eat the fibers that we eat and ferment the fibers that we eat. And when they ferment them, they create acids. So what I'm talking about on Instagram this week is why acids, not a bad thing. So people that are always talking about their alkaline diets, I'm like rolling my eyes because I'm like, we need acid. If you don't have acid, you've got big problems. But our bacteria ferment fibers and they turn them into short chain fatty acids. And these short chain fatty acids uh, do a number of different things 
one of which is to really help our um, metabolism just in the most basic terms. And so we have to keep these guys super duper happy. And another bacteria, a specific bacteria is called Ackermansia. And it's something that I test for. So when I'm looking at stool tests, I'm always looking at Ackermansia levels because it's so important for metabolic health. It's also very important for um, the strength of our barrier system in our guts. So to prevent leaky gut, to make sure that that, um, that barrier system is strong and stable. Ackermansia does that. And by the way, if we have any type of leaky gut, um, this is going to make any diabetic situation far worse, just as a heads up. But the, I keep seeing on stool tests, acromancia being low. Um, it's pretty common, unfortunately. So that's a problem. So my, this is just like a little like pro tip. Um, and even if you don't have low acromancia, it's still really good to do this. Red polyphenols is what preferentially feeds that acromancia bacteria. So I'm always telling people to eat more cranberries, pomegranate, um, red quinoa, red rice, literally anything that's red is going to contain those specific polyphenols. Um, and then what do my clients always ask? They're like, is there a powder for that? And sometimes I'm like, no, you just got to eat the food. But in this case, there actually is a powder for that. I always do red powder every single day to support my own acromancia production. And I give it to the, I was going to say the kiddos, but I have one kid and one husband. So they're, <laughs> so they're both getting it, the family. The one that we specifically use is from Organifi. It's just called red juice, and it, that's what Hattie calls it too, red juice. She like literally thinks she's drinking fruit punch. But it has pomegranate, cranberry, has some blueberry, raspberry, strawberry, beetroot. So it has all of those red polyphenols. It has some uh, acai, and then it has a little bit of – so it has reishi, so some adaptogenic stuff, reishi and rhodiola. Um, it tastes really quite good, and so I'm making sure that I'm getting that at least once a day. And that's something that I'm telling my clients about too. If you want to purchase that, you can go to Organifi.com forward slash funk, F-U-N-K, and save yourself 15% off of anything on that website. So you can check that out and support your metabolic health. Um, so last week I posted a day in the life, little montage over on Instagram stories um, where I discussed our schedule, how Scott and I are running interference on Hattie's uh, virtual learning. So we have we opted into fully remote, and um, that was just what the the appropriate choice for our family was for two different reasons. One, we do have the grandparents. So uh, right now, Mimi is here. Scott's mom is here. She comes one day a week, and then my aunt Patty comes one day a week to help out. And so we. Um, are really conscientious of the high-risk folks in our family, and we want to be able to see them. So we sat down, kind of weighed out the pros and the cons, and ultimately we decided it was more important for us to see them. And had we decided to send Hattie back to school, we would not have been able, I would not have felt comfortable um, seeing them regularly. So for that reason, and then really also, um, for continuity purposes, uh, right now there's kind of craziness with, with, uh, school, our district, and then 
surrounding districts, you know, once a COVID case does pop up, they have to close down, they have to send grades home. It, it would just, I just felt like it was going to be too much shifting. Like once we do really well, once we're in a schedule and we know what to expect, my brain works the best when I know what to expect. When I don't know what to expect, I feel very stressed out. So for me, just knowing what our schedules was going to entail day in and day out and not being like, is this going to change in a week? Is this going to change in two weeks? Um, that was so important to us and we I am all about mental health above all else so to me um, our family's mental health is way more important than any curriculum that my six-year-old may or may not fall behind on and um, we are we make our decisions based on what is going to keep us happy and healthy versus what is expected of us um, or what's the status quo. We're always going to choose and make choices that prioritize our mental health forever and always. Um, and that's just, like I said, that's what's appropriate for us. So I, I gave the step-by-step because -step, Scott and I both th both work full-time. So I was like, here's how we're pulling it off. Um, that, that came per request. And one of the pictures was Hattie with all of her like little witchy things. So her crystals and her, um, uh, her like, uh, what are they called? Like the, not tarot cards, but the, I'm just totally drawing a blank, the cards. She's like spirit animal cards and, um, her moon book. Like she has a book about the phases of the moon, like all sorts of stuff. And she, that's just something that she's really gravitated toward. And my mom is um, really into a lot of the, I just called it like, you know, as a joke, like all the witchy stuff. So they, they, they spend an hour together every day through video conferencing and they talk a lot about, about that stuff. My mom is, um, has done a lot of shamanic training. She's trained uh, pretty extensively in EFT, emotional freedom technique. So my mom's like big into this stuff and, and I am as well. So Hattie gets, gets her fair share of, of it. And, um, somebody on Instagram said, can you do a podcast on the more witchy vibe side of your life? And, I love that question and we're going to get into a little bit of it. Now I could do about a hundred episodes on this, but I think we'll start off with um, talking about intuition because it's such a guiding principle in my life. And we're also going to get into solar plexus energy because it's being activated for a lot of us right now. So I want to give you a little bit of a backdrop on how I got into um, I don't really know what to call it. I tend to call it energy medicine, but you can call it, you know, witchy stuff. You can call it woo. You can call it um, spirituality, whatever, whatever term resonates with you. But back in 2007, I was in school for dietetics and I was, uh, I started babysitting for a woman named Elizabeth. She has her own website. I'm going to talk all about her today, but, um, it's called meditate to heal.com. And the two isn't the number two. I'll put it in the show notes, but in case you're interested in, in checking Elizabeth out, you can check her out there. Um, and I started at the time, she now has four children. At the time she had one and uh, she was 18 months old. So I was hired to babysit. And um, I 
was exposed to a lot of stuff. Now, Elizabeth, I've, I've always referred to her as one of my catalysts. She's somebody that came into my life and she's just very catalytic energy. She pushes me before I'm ready. Um, she was the one who basically started my nutrition business. She was like, hey, can you throw together a program that we can do at the, she owned a meditation studio that we can do. And that is how I slapped together what became my like hallmark program, uh, my nutrition program. It was like (laughs) just her being like, yeah, it's time. I'm like, I'm not ready. She's like, she is constantly the hand on my back, pushing me off the cliff and being like, you can go, you're ready to fly. You'll sprout wings on the way down. Don't worry. So I, I, um, when I interviewed AC Brown about human design, we talked about this, this idea of catalysts, people who serve as catalysts in our lives, um, or people that step up and invite us into something. And Elizabeth has really been that person for me. Um, And this is one of the ways she introduced me to this whole other world. So when I babysat for her, they didn't use a microwave. And I was like, what's that now? I was not into alternative health at this point. I I didn't even know what alternative health was. I was like, why don't you use a microwave? Um, She used cloth diapers. She shopped at Whole Foods. She bought recycled um, toilet paper. I was like, this is like a whole new world for me. (laughs) She used essential oils. Back in 2007, essential oils, like nobody knew what essential oils were. So like she was like the OG on essential oils. Um, And like I said, she owned this business that was all about meditation, clairvoyance, and intuition. So I just was like super intrigued about the way that this woman lived her life. And I started just embracing a lot of these concepts. And at the time I was in school, I was commuting a lot and I was working like three jobs and I was really, really, really stressed out. So my mom purchased me a meditation class um, at Elizabeth's studio and it was a six month course. And every single week, I think it was Monday nights, I would go and I would learn how to meditate for an hour or two hours. I think it was two hours. And it was in a group of people, and this is what I did for six months. And after that, I signed up for meditation part two and um, continued on learning and studying meditation. And then after that, I em- uh, embarked on a full year clairvoyant training, which was essentially learning how to use my intuition, um, learning how to read energy, um, honing my intuition, all of this. And so I was, and that was another weekly thing. So this was like a, 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 a deep dive into intuition. And throughout this time, I started reading Carolyn Miss, um, Anodea Judith, among many others. Uh, but those are the two women that I'm going to talk about more today. I, I, I really, I started studying chakras. I really embraced this idea that we all have the innate ability to heal. Um, I started studying more self-healing modalities and healing from a like inner healing, you know, like inner child healing, um, but also healing the physical body and healing my my mental health. I 
throughout this time, I got off my anxiety medication. I got off antidepressant. Um, those were goals for myself. I'm not suggesting that they should be goals for everybody, but those were goals for myself. Um, as many of you know, I uh, in 2010, I decided to go to yoga teacher training. So I, I really continued to study and apply these principles, these Eastern healing practices. Um, like I said, energy medicine is, is what I call it for the most part. And all of these modalities is, is how I recovered from an eating disorder. Um, I did not seek out conventional treatment. I needed to find another way for myself to heal a 13-year battle with anorexia and bulimia. And this is exactly how I did it. And then, you know, if for those of you who have been listening to the podcast for a while, you know that a few years back, I did a spiritual coaching certification with Jessica Flanagan, which offered up even different modalities. So the point is, this has been a very common thread that's been weaved throughout my life, my healing, and also my work. Um, when I first started my nutrition business, these two things were very enmeshed, uh, nutrition, yoga, and energy medicine. In all of my nutrition programs since day one, they've always included meditations. So this is something that I I've, I've, haven't shied away from, but at a certain point, I felt the need, and I feel like a lot of folks listening can probably relate to what I'm about to say, but I felt the need to branch off and assert myself in a different way, which is very much so solar plexus energy and something we're going to talk about this idea of individuation. But I wanted to position myself in a way that would make me stand out from the crowd. And I felt the need to legitimize myself. And I noticed that a lot of health coaches were talking about mindfulness and like, you just have to breathe. And you, it just seems so fluffy to me. And I was just tired of the fluff. And again, that need to legitimize myself. So I went, I embraced more of the science stuff. And I think if you've again, been privy to my work in this show, you you probably know what I'm talking about. And I kind of had this idea, this mentality that I'll embrace it if science can prove it. And so you've heard me talk a lot about um, this concept of our biography becomes our biology. Um, I've talked about it here on the podcast. I've talked about it in workshops. I've talked about it with clients in Your Hormone Revival. I've referenced Bruce Lipton, Gabor Mate, Donna Jackson Nakazawa. I've talked about The Body Keeps the Score. Um, I've talked about this concept of uh, how our childhood, our life experiences, our traumas, our beliefs about ourselves all inform our physical bodies. But I've always referenced stuff. Um, as long as I, there was something to back up what I was saying, I felt comfortable talking about it publicly. And again, that was this out of this need to legitimize myself. I'm not just going to say stuff like everything I say is really well researched. And um, meanwhile, I, I, I embrace practices in real life that... <laughs> don't really have a ton of research behind them. I just do them because they make me feel good. And so um, I wouldn't say that I lost that witchy stuff along the way because I, I I have been actively applying these principles to my body, to my health, my life, my daughter, you know, for close to 15 years. It's just not always what I discuss publicly. 
And furthermore, I have pretty adamantly rejected the term healer. There's a lot of people who embrace that term and I have not been one of them um, because I feel very strongly that I don't heal you. You heal you. I can provide insight. I can provide guidance. I can provide structure. But at the end of the day, you're doing the work. You're doing the life excavation. You're making the behavioral changes. And the people that rise to this, that accept this personal responsibility, those are the people who heal. And if I did everything for you, what does this teach you? This is such a huge pillar of my business, the sense of personal power, personal responsibility, autonomy. If I do everything for you, what does that teach you? What does that do for you? Nothing. It's it's the same reason that when somebody asks me a question that they can easily Google, I tell them to go Google it. Like you can do this. You can do this. I don't need to do this for you. I will provide you it's not doing anything for you. I want you to know that you have the power to do this for yourself. You're the hero of your journey, not me. You must set out on your own hero's journey. Maybe I'm the catalyst. I know that I've certainly been the catalyst in a lot of cases. Maybe something in this podcast that you've heard over the years has inspired you to do something or something has clicked in your brain and you're like, holy shit, you know, I, maybe I serve as catalytic energy, but I'm not the hero. No more than Elizabeth was the hero in my journey. She's been a guiding light. She's been a force. In some ways, I, I truly feel like I would not be here without her, but she hasn't done the work for me. Never has she ever done the work for me. She's invited me to do the work myself time and time and time again. So because she has provided that for me, I want to provide that for other people. You got to get messy. You got to get uncomfortable. You got to do the work. That is how you heal. And I think Part of the reason why I've rejected that term healer is because it feels like too much enmeshment and codependency. And I've certainly seen this with a lot of folks who are calling themselves healers. It's like this, you need me energy. I'm the guru, right? It's this very, I would say, unhealthy codependent relationship that's created. And part of me felt like by owning that term, by claiming that term healer, I was I was accepting the responsibility of healing those that I'm working with. And I know in my heart of hearts, that's, that's not how this works. You have to do the healing. But quite interestingly enough, in um, a recent reading that I got from Elizabeth, so ever, about quarterly, I would say about four times a year, um, Elizabeth, we're still friends and I will um, hire her to do an energy reading on me. So she just kind of does an, a general assessment, an intuitive reading on what's going on in my life. And usually I walk away with some, you know, a big invitation to step into something new. And the idea of healer came up, this, this whole thing came up. And she said, to reject that term is to reject a part of yourself. You have to stop rejecting yourself. I was getting pretty gnarly headaches. That's kind of why I reached out to her. I'm like, what's up? What is this? I feel like there's something that I'm not seeing here. And my inability to see clearly what's going on here is like 
really causing some physical manifestations of getting headaches. And this is, she's like, the, the second you stop rejecting yourself is the second the headaches go away. So <laughs> another catalytic statement, uh, one of her invitations. So since that reading uh, about a month or six weeks ago, I've been, I've had to sit with it and really ask myself, what does this mean? What does, what is embracing the healer actually mean? Because it sounds a little douchey, to be honest. <laughs> I'm being honest with you. So what does it actually mean to me? And it doesn't mean that I'm going to change um, my title from functional medicine nutritionist to healer uh, or like change the sign on my door to palm reader. Uh, but perhaps I can talk about this side of my life a little bit more in order to give people another way to explore their own healing. There has definitely been a collective shift and more people are looking for this type of thing, as evidenced by the question that came in on Instagram stories. And it's so funny, the timing of it, because this, to what I'm going to talk about in a little bit, was something that I actually had notes written, because I was like, I would love to do this as a podcast episode, but would, would anybody even be interested in hearing about this stuff? So I was sitting on it. Um, I, I, I kind of got the inspiration to write about it and I was just sitting on it. And as a manifesting generator, if you listen to that interview about human design with AC Brown, I'm a manifesting generator and I need the invitation to put something into play. So I have all, I, all, so many ideas. I have so many ideas for creative projects that I don't even I can't, I don't even have the time to put them all into action, but if I get an invitation to it, that's like when I go, I'm off to the races. So he, this is where we are. Um, the question about my witchy side um, was the invitation that I needed to, to start talking about this stuff, I guess. So where do we begin? When I hear the term witchy, I immediately think of intuition. That's I think a very strong place to start because it's also quite relevant to the times that we're living in. And something came up in my, uh, so we're in um, month one of your hormone revival and something came up and there's 40 women in that program. And, and chances are if, if things come up when, in that group, then they're also coming up on a larger scale for all of you too. So we're going to talk about specifically what happened in the group. But first, I want to talk about intuition because I've heard so many people say that I'm not intuitive. People don't think that they're intuitive. I'm just not that intuitive. And I actually don't think that that's true. I think everyone has in, I, I think everyone is intuitive, but we've we've lost our way. It's not something that we cultivate in our culture, in our society. It's not something um, unless we've had, you know, a teacher or a guide. It's not something that we've really put into practice. Um, so I think we're very confused about what intuition actually is. And something Carolyn Miss says is that people confuse intuition with prophetic ability. So people think that intuition is being able to predict the future. And it's not. It can be. But what intuition actually is, is the ability to use energy data to make decisions in the immediate moment. It's not 
predicting the future. It's what's, it's, it's kind of scanning our body, scanning the situation and saying, what's coming up right now to help me, to help guide my choices right now? And that energy data can be a lot of different things. Emotions is one of them. Our emotions are there for a reason. They're providing real-time feedback. Um, Energy data can also be body sensations. So I know when I was little, I got stomach aches every time I was nervous, every time I was anxious, every time I was being put in a situation where I shouldn't have been. Um, so for example, carrying the responsibility and the emotions of the adults in my life, right? That that wasn't my role as a child. I should have been being a child, but because I had to carry the weight of adults, I had to carry the responsibility. Um, I, w- I That would manifest as stomach aches for me. And that's definitely a concept I can circle back around to on another show if you're interested, especially if you are an empath, if you if you know you're an intuitive. Um, I think that's a really, really cool concept. And that opened up my eyes a lot to um, understanding why I am the way I am. So we can talk about that on another day. But the point is, there are different ways that our intuition communicates with us. And I think where people get confused is that they expect intuitive guidance to be this booming voice that comes in over your personal loudspeaker and tells you exactly what you have to do. Sometimes it works like that, but rarely, pretty rarely, at least for me anyway. So it's it's more about being curious about all the energy data that's coming in. I think it just starts with being curious. Um some examples. These are not personal examples, just some, some examples to think about. Every time I have to visit my family for the holidays, I get a headache. Or since this, I started this job, I started getting ulcers. Or every time someone asks me to do this particular task, I get angry. Or since I've been in this relationship, I drink a lot more. It's getting curious about patterns or about feelings or about physical things that happen. Um, A real world example is that there is a certain aspect of my business that I've basically been circling the drain with for two years. I'm having a very hard time walking away despite lots of intuitive messages that it's time to walk away for two years, two two years. I get resentful anytime I have to do this task. I get very stressed out when it's on my schedule. I get a feeling of dread. You know that feeling? That like body-wide sense of dread? That's what happens every time. The last time it was on my schedule, Monday morning, I woke up with anxiety and I felt unreasonably stressed for the entire week. Like there was no real reason for me to be stressed, but I felt stressed out. Um, And then one hour before I had to show up to this task, I got a migraine. Literally one hour before I got a migraine. It was an ocular migraine too, like where like your eyesight goes wavy gravy and you're like, oh, is this an acid trip? I don't know what's happening. So I mean, could my intuition have been speaking any more clearly. So think about, if you consider yourself not super intuitive, I want you to really think about stuff like this and start to get curious and start to pay attention to when things are happening. That's really step one, is being willing to pay attention to the signals. 
and understand, being willing to understand that they're happening for a reason. And then maybe start to think about where do you feel this stuff in your body? And you can even go as far as to ask, what are you trying to tell me? Sometimes when I feel like I have a lot of information, I, 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 get, I get a lot of body-wide sensations. Um, so sometimes when I feel like stuff is really coming in hot, but I don't have any clarity, I will like literally go walk into the woods, sit on a rock and just say, what's up? Like, what are you trying to tell me? I am super willing to listen. <laughs> like, I just need some clarity here. What is going on? And just opening up that conversation, that that communication channel between you and your body, you and your emotional body, you and your energy body, right? They're all interconnected. And then step two is to actually act on it. This is where it gets a little tricky Be- But it's a necessary step because our intuition will get stronger and stronger the more we listen to it and the more we make decisions based on it. This takes courage to act on your intuition because we've historically been led to believe that we're untrustworthy by nature. So we have to rewrite a lot of stories around that. And it is all about having the courage, and now Carolyn Miss would actually say the self-esteem, to recognize that the discomfort or the confusion that we're feeling in our bodies or in our life is actually directing us to take care of ourselves and to make choices that will align us with our greater purpose. It will break us out of our stuckness, our stagnation, and potentially even our misery. If we're feeling miserable, if we're feeling uncomfortable, if we're feeling bad, anxious, confused, it's an invitation to to say, huh, how can I make some decisions that pull me closer to my life's purpose and pull me away from this? Um, I like to use the word courageous because sometimes you have to break away from your comfort, in your safety, in order to take action on your inner guidance, right? The inner guidance, our intuition isn't necessarily like there to keep us safe. It's not there to keep us playing small. It typically directs us into the new, new cycles, new learning, new experiences. And of course, the newness gets really uncomfortable for a lot of us. Change isn't easy. Growth isn't easy. If it's easy, it's probably not growth. Um, if you remember back to episode 111, shit we don't talk about or good girls gone bad, I talked about a time where I didn't listen to my intuition. Well, I mean, that's not true. I listened to it. I heard it. I trusted it even, but I didn't act on it. Um, in that episode, I said I went dark on myself. I didn't have the courage to step into the discomfort of potentially upsetting and disappointing other people. And so what happened? I ended up in extreme discomfort and some really significant GI issues. So intuition only works when you have the courage, the self-esteem, and the personal power to follow through on the guidance that it provides, okay? So I think we all have intuitive capabilities. I think that we need to practice using them. 
And I think that that's where, that's the message that gets mixed. It's not that you're not intuitive. It's that maybe you haven't flexed this intuition muscle, so to speak. So let's shift gears and talk more about that personal power piece. Because if we don't have personal power, a sense of personal power, chances are we're not going to act on those intuitive messages. And personal power has everything to do with our solar plexus, which is our third chakra. So yeah, let's get weird. Talk about chakras today, huh? The, the chakras, this particular energy center, the solar plexus energy center is being strongly activated for a lot of us right now. And I want to talk about why that is and how it might show up for you. Um, I think there's one of two ways that people are responding to this intense time. And I want to give you some patterns to look out for and some things to do if you recognize yourself in these patterns. So quick, quick chat about the chakras. They're just basically energy centers in the body. Um, Anadea Judith, who is like master chakra lady, her books are phenomenal. Um, she says that a chakra is a center of organization that receives, assimilates, and expresses life force energy. Um, she also refers to them as sacred centers of the self, but they're basically energy centers throughout our body. And the solar plexus, which is our third chakra, it's located above the navel and just below your sternum, right below your breastbone. That's where the solar plexus is. And it has everything to do with our power um, or feelings of powerlessness. And I think that's part of the reason that it's being activated for us um, because a lot of us feel like we don't have power over this situation. And sometimes when we feel like we don't have power, we completely just give up. And some people, when we feel like we don't have power, we over-assert ourselves to almost like pretend that we do have power in the situation. So I'm gonna, I'm excited to, to dive into this a little bit. But um, to give you a little bit more background on this specific energy center, third chakra energy is fire, power, autonomy, personal responsibility. It is our will, our proactiveness, energy, activity. It's how we show up and interact with the world around us. It, um, has a lot to do with transformation. It has everything to do with self-esteem, self-responsibility, self-discipline, and then also shame. Shame tends to live here. When this energy center is out of balance, we can struggle with all of these things. Um, we can struggle with our self-worth, our personal power, how we want to show up, how we want to be seen. Um, solar plexus energy helps us to direct our path and our purpose and can guide us toward inspiration. Um, so when we feel balanced here, we can feel really empowered. Um, maybe we're more likely to listen to those intuitive messages, huh? But if this chakra is blocked or it's deficient, we tend to feel like a victim to life circumstances, like, the, like life is happening to us versus something that we're co-creating. Um, we can tend to blame other people. Um, rather than take responsibility for what's happening. And we can suffer from low self-esteem. We can feel lost regarding our passions and our purpose. Um, you know, I, I, if somebody's telling me, I just don't have any passion, 
I just don't know what my purpose is. That That is deficiency. That's an imbalance in this energy center. Physically, these energy centers govern different parts of our body. So solar plexus governs our stomach, our pancreas, adrenals, the upper intestines, so the small intestines, the gallbladder, the liver. So physical issues associated with an imbalance here are a lot of digestive stuff, um, ulcers, hypoglycemia and diabetes also. So that kind of ties into what I was talking about earlier. And, and it's simply because it's, it's, it's our metabolism. Like how are you metabolizing? How are you digesting life experiences? Right? Are you? Are you going into overdrive? Are you going into underdrive? Are you metabolizing and in processing and digesting what's happening in the world around you or not? Um, something that Carolyn Miss says that I really like about the third chakra, the energies that come together in this chakra have but one spiritual goal, to help us mature in our self-understanding. The relationship we have with ourselves and how we stand on our own and take care of ourselves. It is our personal power. It is our sense of responsibility. So can you you can start to see why this is being so activated for so many of us right now, especially when it comes to our health. I don't know what accounts you follow, but if you follow a lot of health accounts, you'll see a lot of people talking about medical freedom. Um, mandated vaccines, people are feeling like their power is being stolen from them when it comes to their bodies. With RBG just passing, um, you know, she was such an advocate for women's rights, especially when it comes to, you know, healthcare, women's healthcare rights. And so there's a lot of fear around what her passing really means. This is third chakra stuff. This is like, holy shit, do I have power over myself? This is scary stuff, right? Um, and then with the COVID thing specifically, it's this, this idea that people are starting to settle into that nobody's coming to save us, right? We've all been in this stew for about seven months and nobody's coming forward with like, here's the plan. Here's what we're going to do. And people are really waking up to this, this idea that one, personal power is necessary for health. And two, you alone can help yourself heal. You alone can help yourself heal. And I, that's something that Carolyn Miss says. And I would take that even a step further. You alone must help yourself heal. It's your job. And so this is what people are grappling with, whether you know, you're know you super conscious of it or not. It's waking up to this reality that it's go time, how we eat, how we take care of ourselves, our physical bodies, our immune systems, it's all our responsibility. And also all of the inner healing is our responsibility too. Um, and then of course, there's some people who are clinging onto this concept of returning to normal, normalcy, who are waiting for the white knight, who are waiting for the savior to swoop in and make everything right. Um, I read this on IG, uh, Instagram. It, 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 it's just a silly little, you know, little meme that somebody made, but it gets the point across. Doctors won't make you healthy. Nutritionists won't make you slim. Teachers won't make you smart. Gurus won't make you calm. Mentors won't make you rich. Trainers won't make you fit. 
at the end of the day, you have to take responsibility. And this idea is either crippling people or it's throwing them into overaction. Um, what I try to do with that, with that, that idea of personal responsibility, it's, it's, we have the ability to respond to any situation. That's what responsibility is, the ability to respond. And that's where our power comes from. That's where our true power comes from, is this ability to respond to any given situation. Um, and I feel such a sense of empowerment when I say that out loud. That's what I feel in my body is, is a sense of strength. Like, I can do this. But for some people, it feels really overwhelming. Um, so in your hormone revival, somebody chimed in that, and I, I'm, I'm sharing this because if you're feeling this way, I want you to know that you're not alone, that many people are feeling this way. So she said, 2020 has really halted my entire life. I wake up feeling confused and unsure how to start or go about my day. Hearing that this ultimately rests on my shoulders to actually make the life changes is really overwhelming to the point of tears. So for her, this concept of self-responsibility is like, holy shit, that doesn't feel like empowerment. That just feels overwhelming and scary and it shuts me down. And a, quite a few chimed in saying, I can completely relate. You're not alone. So I want to talk about this. And because this is where it gets really interesting, some folks listening are totally going to relate to that. And then some folks listening might not relate at all. I'm sure that you can understand and empathize, but your reaction and your response during this time has been extremely different. And I've noticed two different patterns emerge from this time. So I want to give some perspective here because I am the overdrive. There's a stressor. There's a crisis. I'm going to go into overdrive. I'm not going to shut down. I'm going to like overperform overdue. So what is this? What is going on here that makes us um, either shut down or, or go kind of berserk? So a lot of what I'm about to read is from the book Eastern Body, Western Mind by um, Anadea Judith, who is a psychologist. And she's really, she's a PhD and she's for all intents and purposes, um, an expert on the chakra systems. And she uses them to, she uses them in her private practice and she's just really good stuff. Um, so this third chakra energy, this seat of personal power can be out of balance and it can be out of balance through either excess or deficiency. So I'm going to read through what she says about it to see if you find yourself in either of these two patterns. So excess, this is me, <laughs> this is totally me. Third chakra excesses may appear at first glance as an abundance of power in energy. In reality, they compensate for feelings of diminished or unrecognized power. To overcome feelings of helplessness, abandonment, neglect, abuse, there's an excessive attachment, even obsession with power, control, in bolstering one's self-esteem. Since the core self is undernourished, one tries to live up to an image or a false sense, 
false self that must be nourished by approval from others. As a result, third chakra excess may appear as constant activity, a human doing instead of a human being. Such a person will be in constant motion, excitation in the stress that goes with it, thriving on such conditions as a way of feeling alive. A person with excessive third chakra is ruled by rigid will. Sometimes an excessive will can be seen in the control of one's body. So we see this pattern with eating disorders and um, with athletes often. So I can super relate to this because when I feel like my power is being taken away, I'm like, oh no, hell no. Like you're not going to make me feel helpless. I'm going to do all the things all of the things like the Tasmanian devil to make me feel like I have some power or I have some control in this situation. So I really relate to that. And when I'm out of balance, that is definitely where I tend to lean. Um, when I'm, when I'm in balance, when this energy center is in balance, not such a strong pull, but when I'm out of balance, like, you know, in the middle of a global pandemic, I can definitely tend towards excess. Let's talk about deficiency. People with, and this is what the, um, this is what was coming up in the hormone program. People with deficient third chakras suffer from a combination of characteristics that may include lack of fire and vitality, poor self-discipline, weak will, and a lack of spontaneity. They may be easily manipulated by others and often feel victimized. Depression may be frequent as the energy of the body is literally depressed and held back, often bound by feelings of shame. Here, the weak ego copes by avoidance rather than overcompensation. So it's like the polar opposite of the excess. Excess is all about overcompensation, whereas deficiency is just avoid, avoid, avoid. They may be intensely shy and appear cold or withdrawn. They are likely to avoid confrontation and challenge, especially when there is any risk of personal exposures. They are more likely to play it safe, follow the rules, let others lead, and be a people pleaser. By letting others take the lead, they avoid vulnerability and risk and hold power over others who must take risks for them. So you can be, first of all, I want to say... Um, you can be both in your life. It's not a one or the other. Uh, while I definitely tend towards the, the more excessive solar plexus energy, I've had moments in my life of deficiency, which I will share in a bit. What I want to do is talk about, so if you recognize yourself in one of those patterns, I want to talk about ways we can work to heal those imbalances. So certain things that you can do when you feel out of balance, when you feel a pull, when you feel a tendency toward excess or deficiency, what can you do? Um, but first, really important disclaimer, this is not a replacement for medical, or excuse me, for mental health help. I think right now, everyone can benefit from a mental health professional. We are going through really uncharted waters and there's no playbook on this. And so talking through your emotional body um, with a professional is super important. I hired a therapist, you know, because I don't want to go this alone. So I would strongly consider that. I, if there's still a, a stigma attached to um, mental health help, I mean, that needs to just be abolished. It's such horseshit. I mean, everybody should have a therapist in today's day and age. 
everybody, especially, especially, especially if you're feeling depressed, you need to seek out help. So while you can put a lot of these uh, modalities into action, it doesn't necessarily mean that you should be going it all alone. Okay. So I want to first talk about healing deficiency energy. Um, so deficiency, so that's that like under action versus the over action, under action. Deficient third chakras really need to engage with life in ways that provide nourishment and support. So I want you to think about what activities leave you feeling energized. What activities leave you feeling drained? What is it about those activities that your system responds to? Right? So again, first step is getting curious, getting really curious. So look for the activities that energize you and find ways of increasing your time for them. One of the activities that we do in your hormone revival is like a life audit. So you're going through your day and you're figuring out what are the things that you love to do? What are the things that you hate, you don't really love to do? And you know, look at the balance or the imbalance between those two lists. But really think about this. And this is um, an important thing to keep in mind. In It sounds obvious, but I think I have to say it. The things that energize you might not be the things that energize others. So as I said, so I'm recording this Monday morning, which is right after two eight-hour back-to-back days chock full of lecture. So you would think that I'd be exhausted, right? <laughs> like two days, two full days of lecture is intense. You'd think that I'd be exhausted and maybe needed to take like a break today, but that could not be further from the truth because to me, learning about functional medicine, learning about the human body, figuring out how I'm going to um, teach my students and my mentorship, some of these big concepts, that is the stuff that energizes me. It is so inspiring. It lights me up. It fills my cup. Um, Whereas social stuff, you know, like if I was out and about like mixing it up with friends or like, you know, hanging, like going to a family event, those things really drain me. And I used to to really be super hard at myself about this because I'm like, what's wrong with me? Why am I not like other people? Like I would rather stay home and study than than go out and like mix it up. Um, But the truth is one energizes me, one drains me. And we have to get really clear and hone in on what is right for us. And it's not to say that I don't do social stuff. I just know that I need to... um, I have to sandwich it with a lot of downtime. Um, That's important to me in order to maintain my energy. So understanding and recognizing what is right for us, uniquely right for us, is actually really some third chakra energy. Individuation is where we break away from internalized parents, peers, and culture and begin to define ourselves. It is about daring to be unique, risking disapproval for the integrity of your own truth. Holy shit. Did it? I I didn't know that I was going through such such third chakra stuff uh, back in July, but yikes, right? This is a big one. Um, Judith says, we cannot change the world if we have not yet individuated from the way the world expects us to be. 
Yo, I'm going to say that one again. Do I have chills when I hear that. We cannot change the world if we have not yet individuated from the way the world expects us to be. Can you feel that? Can you feel that deep in your bones? I feel like when I hear that, I feel like I have superpowers, like superhero powers beaming out of my solar plexus when I really sit with that thought. Um, But then she goes on to say, many people do not awaken to this chakra at all and spend their whole lives following the path of least resistance, giving their power to others and defining themselves in terms of what is expected. And I, I want to point that out because that's where I think some deficiencies can come into play, okay? It's this not being willing or courageous enough to say, what is right for me? What fills up my cup? What energizes me in acting on that, right? Instead of just like kind of going with the status quo, well, this is what's going to keep the peace. We got to get some of that good girl gone bad energy up in here, Other ways to help heal and balance a deficient solar plexus. And this is back to um, what Judith is saying. Challenges and difficulties can increase our energy as long as they are not overwhelming and impossible. Avoidant people feel depleted and unable to manage, unable to meet challenges, but they seldom realize that their avoidance is precisely what keeps them undercharged. Notice what happens in your body when you confront your boss or take a risk that plunges you into new territory. That shaky feeling may be the activation of fear or shame, but it is also a state of increased energy and aliveness. Those with deficient third chakras need to work on strengthening their will by increasing physical energy as well as paying conscious attention to their goals and desires. The deficient structure does not organize very well. It needs a plan to keep them on track. To stick with a plan or routine increases our feelings of power and control and boosts our confidence. So for deficient energy centers, um, solar plexus energy centers, pushing yourself a little bit outside of your comfort levels is a good thing. With excessive energy, they we don't really need to be pushed there's already a strong inner push and the tendency is to push through no matter what, but deficiency could sometimes benefit from some type of stimulation. Um, but I said that I have had moments of, in my life of really significant s- deficient solar plexus. And one time I was thinking about is um, in my early 20s, I was really struggling with an eating disorder at the time. It had ramped up actively bulimic and eating disorders are often third chakra issues. I was also dealing with some health challenges that I couldn't figure out. This is, this, this was, um, yeah, this was a really hard time for me. I had recently found out that I had a gluten sensitivity, but I couldn't commit to giving it up. So I would eat bread and then I would feel crappy and I would beat myself up. There's a lot of self-flagellation. I had to take a leave of absence from school because I was just not okay. I moved in with my mom. Um, I really couldn't get myself on a schedule. I stayed up super late watching TV. I slept until noon. I just couldn't get out of my own way. I felt so stuck. I felt so 
paralyzed and I was so ashamed. Like when I think about it now, I, I still feel the shame in the pit of my stomach. It's a visceral response to this time. And so again, just to just to reemphasize, you can go through different periods of overactivation and underactivation. How I started to claw myself out was really putting myself on some schedules. I um, read the book Feeling Good, The New Mood Therapy by David D. Burns, and he has a lot of writing exercises in that book, and I committed to doing them um, and really committed to the changes that needed to take place um, and, and, and like stuck to the book. I also committed to going to yoga I have found that when I hit those low points in my life, structured exercise is very good for me, whether it's like a running plan or committing to going to yoga. Um, I will also say for some people, following a food plan can be very helpful. Now, of course, if you do have history of eating disorders, that might not be appropriate for you and that was never appropriate for me. But if you have the tendency to undereat, then getting yourself on a scheduled food plan could be really, really good. Point is like create a some type of structure for yourself, create a schedule for yourself and stick with it. This is really really powerful to like make you feel more empowered, to make you feel like you have more control over the situation. And then just as an aside, um, if you do have digestive issues, uh, supporting digestion might be a really smart bet here for underactive third chakra energy. So stimulating that, that your own inner heat and inner fire, third chakra is all about fire. And, um, if your fire's burnt out, you can re-stimulate it. You can do, consume spices, drink, you know, ginger tea. Um, you might stimulate gastric acid production with apple cider vinegar or lemon juice. You could do some hydrochloric acid supplements if that's appropriate. You could do digestive enzymes, but just to get your own inner fire, like churning and burning, you can do some, some support that way. So let's switch over and talk about how we can start to heal excess energy. I have a lot of practice in this because this is an ongoing practice for me. So let's hear what Judith has to say about it. Excessive third chakras have more energy than the system can handle. And this energy needs to be discharged or rerouted to other chakras. Often, the strategy for this type of work involves increasing the function of other chakras rather than engaging the third chakra itself. We may need to open channels for emotional expression, soften the heart, or increase the grounding. Excessive third chakras need to relax, sit still, and let go of control. Guided meditation that takes one through deep relaxation is an excellent place to start. Practicing yoga promotes relaxation. Prescribing downtime without requirements or goals allows the third chakra to disengage from its constant thrust forward and lets the person experience a deeper state of being. Taking time to do nothing can be extremely difficult for excessive third chakra types to tolerate, and they may only accept it with the idea that they're actually doing something to promote their own health. Yo, that is me, like to a T. I have to prescribe downtime. For me, um, doing like getting a novel and just being like, this Sunday, I'm not doing anything but reading a novel. Because if I read 
nonfiction I end up like highlighting and like creating like a whole program in my head or like writing a podcast episode. <laughs> so it's like, that's like activating third chakra, but, um, prescribing downtime is something that's pretty major. So let's chat about ways to disperse the energy, right? We can't just focus on third chakra if third chakra is already churning and burning. So how do we disperse this energy throughout the body um, to move the energy down? Any type of grounding practices are going to be really helpful. This is why I have to do so much of this in my life. It's to stay healthy and to stay sane. Um, so any type of energy work like Reiki, yoga, pranayama, like breathing exercises in yoga, restorative yoga are all wonderful. Nature can be really helpful for me going into the woods helps me connect to the earth, which helps me feel more grounded, which helps that energy in my body move down. Uh, maybe for you, it's the beach or the ocean. Uh, figure out a place that makes you feel more connected. Breath work is very helpful for me as well. So um, lately I've been practicing with Shanila or Shanila, uh, Shan I'm sorry, it's Shanila from alwaysplay.org. She does a um, a donation-based breathwork session every single Sunday night, so you can check that out. And then doing any grounding guided meditations can be helpful. So I'm going to link to two in the show notes, guided meditation for uncertain times and a guided meditation for balance and self-healing, so you can check those out. And I think creating the space in your life to do grounding practices like that is really important. But a quick way to do it, like if you're experiencing um, activated solar plexus energy in the moment, a quick way to do it is dropping your energy down to your first chakra, so to your base, to your root. So this is what happened. Um, I'll use an exact example. This email, um, I got an email this 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 weekend. I got an email that really crossed a boundary. It was somebody who was trying to utilize my email and and inboxes as a free resource. And that's a huge boundary that I've publicly set. And it's, it, it frustrates me when people continue to cross that boundary. So I was like fire in my chest or my belly. I was like, ah, um, and I felt that immediate response. And in the moment, what I did was I took the fire that was burning in my solar plexus and I dropped it down to my first chakra. So like you can close your eyes if you need to, but you can do this anywhere anytime move like physically feel the energy move down to the base of your spine and then from there what you can do and I do this in almost all of my guided meditations is create a cord so visualize something that's going to connect the base of your spine all the way down into the earth it can go through all of the layers and go all the way down to the core of the earth and so you're visualizing pulling this energy down and that is one way to disperse the hypercharged center also consider evaluating your technology use technology is really associated with the third chakra obviously this weekend i was doing a lot of screen time uh, which might have been why i was hyper activated by this email but when I'm scrolling, like let's say I have my phone in my hand and I'm incessantly scrolling through Instagram, I actually start to feel nauseous after a while. Like that's the science. Like you've had too much Instagram, put your phone down. 
put it down, put it down. Um, and I think it can rev us up really hard because what do we do with social media? We're looking at everybody else's life and we're like, going into comparison mode. And for me, that makes me feel like when I see what other people are doing, I'm like, when I'm out of balance, it makes me feel like I'm not doing enough. So that's going to rev up third chakra energies. Or if you're deficient, it might throw you further into despair and paralyzation by being like, I'm not doing enough. I can never catch up. Kind of like go into para, you know, paralyzation mode. Um, other things that help with the grounding energy for chakra energy is making sure you're eating ample protein. Um, somebody with dysregulated blood sugar, it's got, they're going to be, tend to be more spacey. So that making sure you're eating plenty of fats and proteins and, um, animal proteins, if, if you do that and eating consistently throughout the day is, um, going to help you. Um, I just got a phone call and it came in through my my computer. So I don't know if you guys could hear that, but apologies if you could. So um, another way you can disperse that energy down is by moving it into your second chakra, which is, has a lot to do with pleasure. So what can you do to seek out more pleasure in your life? Sex is associated here. Intimacy is associated here. Creativity is associated here. If you're churning and burning in your in your third, how can you drop down into your second and use that energy in a more creative way? Um, it's associated with water. So taking baths, I sometimes will get into an Epsom salt bath if I'm just feeling really spun out. Um, any type of hip stretches uh, are really helpful here because that's where that we can bring some energy like into that physical area of the body. So hip circles, hip stretches. I really will like to lay down in, um, it's a position called Supta Baddha Konasana. So you would lay down on your back. You would bring the soles of your feet together. So knees bent, soles of your feet together, your knees fall apart. So kind of like butterfly legs. And you can put yoga blocks or some type of prop underneath your upper thigh. And it's really relaxing. It's really restorative and it helps to bring energy into the, you know, like move energy down into those areas. And then you can also work to disperse that energy upwards. So we would move it into the fourth chakra, the heart chakra and doing any heart-based meditation. I find it's really helpful for that. So I love Joe Dispenza for this. Any of his meditations really helps to move my energy up. So into the heart, in all the way up into the upper chakras and even like third eye, um, third eye meditation, really focusing, um, opening my intuition. That is so helpful for me when I'm feeling spun out and like I'm overdoing. And then um, anything that's going to activate the throat center. Uh, so chanting, um, if you're if you're doing breath work, exhaling with sound. So rather than you know, a quiet exhale, you're like actually using your vocal cords as you exhale and he's singing. And the cool thing about chanting and singing is that it stimulates the vagus nerve, which is command control for parasympathetic response. So it actually helps you, your body get into rest and digest versus fight or flight. So those are all things that you can do. And you can think about when I'm feeling really like burnt, like my, my third chakra is spun out of control. 
in real time, in the moment, I am trying to like visualize the energy moving away from the middle of my body. So down and up. And then throughout the day, I'm also doing different practices. I have some type of daily practice that's going to help to calm down. So that's, those are good tools for excessive. And then as a reminder for deficient energy in this center, it's more about, um, figuring out what makes you feel excited and doing more of those things. It's pushing yourself outside your comfort zone and it's creating structures and schedules so you can hold yourself um, accountable. You could start feeling better about your momentum and you can keep it up. So I hope that you all resonated with some of that stuff. I hope I provided some good tools between intuition and uh, third chakra stuff and... Yeah, if you want more of this stuff, I got lots of lots of witchy vibes to share with you. So uh, don't hesitate to reach out and let me know if you want to see more of this. I am super open. All right. Everyone have a great week and I will catch up with you next week. Thanks for joining us for this episode of the Functional Nutrition Podcast. If you'd like to submit a question to the show, fill out the contact form at erinholthealth.com. If you like what you hear, don't forget to subscribe and leave a review in iTunes. Take care of you. 